0: Well, amen. I'm always anxious to see uh, what I'll be preaching. I always have something that I pray about, and wouldn't get up here if I didn't have something. But uh, anyway, uh, we're—I got my notes here, and my wife and I—we were in kind of a hurry. We've been kind of a tizzy here the last, uh, actually, all summer. And I said, let's go down to Hattiesburg a couple couple hours early, and stop and get something to eat. Got to run by Sam's and get some coffee. Boy, you get out of coffee, you're in bad shape, right? And I. Took my notes in there just kind of go over and brush up a little bit and stuck it down in some barbecue sauce at Dickie's. So <laughs> so if I start speaking a foreign language here tonight, you'll know why. Go and get your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, while you're doing that, uh, I'll be very sensitive to time. Brother Jeremiah said, uh, don't worry about the time. and uh, But I just thought I would humor you a little bit and let you know that I was thinking about the time. And uh, but anyway, I'd like to thank, uh, appreciate everybody that helped us during the summer at the camps. And this is the first time I've been back in a couple weeks to Central. And uh, we had a great summer. It's, it was uh, just really, really good. God answered so many prayers. And uh, my wife and I have been doing this for about 30 years. And um, we were in great need this year. We were down well with the COVID and then some other things going on. And God answered a lot, a lot of prayers. I mean, everywhere you look, there's an answered prayer. So thank all of you that prayed for the camp and all the workers and those that came in and helped. We just had a really great time. And i got to say, the best, the, the best camp to me was the last camp, <laughs> the, the boys' camp. It was uh, trying to make uh, men out of boys a little bit. We had just a great time. It was just really good. And uh, so anyway, thank you so very much. We're going to try to get our calendar out in September this year. So if anybody from here at Central wants to be a part of that, be looking for that calendar in September. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read the 10 verses. I'll read them quickly, beginning in verse 1. It's not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in approaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, that I'm strong. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in service tonight. And, Lord, thank you for the message and songs that we heard. And thank you for these young people, dear Lord, wanting to serve you with their lives and get in the training that they need. Father, we just ask you to help us tonight. I need your help. Lord, I am I, weak, dear Lord, and I need your strength. I pray that you'd work at work here tonight, that you'd just help us particularly with this subject that you've put upon my heart. And, Lord, we just want to thank you for what, you, what you're going to do. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. What well, as Brother Jeremiah said, he'd ask about uh, this one thing. And, you know, you think about uh, uh, preaching for uh, nearly 35 years, you think about one thing, and it, it's, it's really hard. But anyway, I got to thinking about it, and, and you know, the Lord never, never falls short. And he gave me this passage here in verse 9. Jesus said my grace is sufficient for thee and notice he says for my strength is made perfect in weakness one of the most fruitful truths that I've learned if you want to narrow it down to one thing is what we find in that verse and then what we find in verse 10 therefore I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches in necessities and persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake for when I'm weak then I'm strong. So tonight I got to thinking uh, earlier in the week when Jeremiah had mentioned this, and I got to thinking, I said, well, there's so many things, and I couldn't mention just one. But here of late, this one truth, this one truth in the last several years in my life, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, we have so much in us in the flesh that it's just the opposite We teach and look for the best in everybody. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. Nobody likes to lose. Nobody likes to be unprepared. And so is this this passage of Scripture and this particular thought here, the last few years of my life, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And it's a Bible truth that will make a profound impact in who we become in Christ. And everything, no matter how old you are, or how young you are here tonight, that's where it is. What you become in Christ. Everything about this life on the physical side of it is going to be left here. And the only thing that's going to go to heaven as far as you're concerned is if you're born again, that born again man inside of you and what you've done for the Lord. That's all that's going to be there. And so tonight I'd like to think about that thought. I, Brother Jeremiah had mentioned to me in a text, he says those things that you have a firm grip on, well, I want to tell you, I don't have a firm grip on this. It's something that challenges me every day. It's something that I have to reach for every day. Uh, we live in a world today and, and, uh, of anger and strife. We live in a world of things that will just make you mad just driving down the street. And the flesh comes out six ways from Sunday. And uh, so this is a spiritual ladder that I must climb every day. One of the old writers I was, I was reading the other day, talks about this passage here of the Apostle Paul, all of these things that happened to him. And they said this, spiritual burdens are ordered to cure spiritual pride. Spiritual burdens are ordered to cure spiritual pride. And that's one of the things today that exists, I think, in just about everybody, everywhere, again, no matter what the age. So let's think on that thought for a few minutes as, as I notice a few things out of this passage as the Lord has spoke to me, that when I'm weak, then I'm, I am strong. And that's my one thing the last few years that God has helped me with. He's showing me my great need. And my great need is to be weak so he can be strong. I want you to think about this for a few minutes here as we try to get a lesson out of this and, and troubles. And if you look at the list that Paul gives here in verse 10, there's quite a few things here that he mentioned uh, as he got this, got this truth and the Lord showed this to him. But I want you to notice that and the first thing I want to share with you is the time of trouble is the great, great classroom. The time of trouble is the great classroom. I don't know about you, but I don't learn a whole lot when things are going well. I don't learn a whole lot when things are going well. Some of my greatest lessons in life is when things do not go well. When it's, when it's, when it's not scripted, when you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know what's going to do. And one of the worst ones is when something is going on in your life and it's not going well. When something's coming at you and something's hammering at you, right? You know, I thought about the other day this thing of fairness. Everybody talks about fairness you know, I really haven't seen fairness in the Bible anywhere uh, about fairness being a great truth in the Bible. And, uh, and God works with us and deals with us as he did the Apostle Paul. Who would ever think the Apostle Paul would have a problem, right? The great Apostle Paul, I mean, one of the, the greatest, one of the greatest apostles, you know, in the New Testament, him and Peter. But the time of trouble is a great classroom. We think about the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. He was struck to the earth by a blinding light. He thought he was doing what God wanted him to do. He thought he was a great, great, great man of God doing God's Word, going around uh, killing Christians and putting them in jail. And all of a sudden, being struck down by that, by that blinding light, he says, Who art thou, Lord? The greatest question that he ever asked that began to help him to see that he needed Christ and who Jesus was, Who art thou, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuteth. Amen. And all of that came by uh, being struck to the ground and being blinded for several days. And so we think about him. I thought about the other day about Brother Alverson that was here, uh, sharing with us about the military. And we got to have lunch with him and hear him in both services. And we got to visit together a little bit. And I remember, and I believe he shared from the pulpit in the morning service or in the evening service uh, about when he was in Vietnam, when he was in a box, foxhole in Vietnam. And there, in the middle of the foxhole, my brother was in Vietnam. And he was on a fire base. He was there for 20 months. He was 17 years old when he went to Vietnam. My mom had signed for him. So I know a little bit about the war and some of the things going on. And my brother had told me the night before he was supposed to ship out that their base got, uh, got bombarded with rockets, and they almost overran the fence. And Brother Alverson mentioned that in a foxhole, when the bombs and the rockets were going off, he said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do if you'll get me back home. And he came home and became a preacher and a missionary. The time of troubles is the great classroom. I'm thinking about Jonah. Uh, Jonah, there in the belly of the whale. You know, God had a plan for him, but he resisted that plan. Uh, like a lot of us today, you know, it doesn't fit it with what we want to do. It doesn't fit maybe with ours, what we think our skill set is or what impresses us or just, you know, what we think would make us happy. And here Jonah is. He, In verse 2, in chapter 2, he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. And listen to this. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. You know, Jonah was willing to die, but he found out there's some things worse than death. I believe there's some things worse than death. We drive up and down the roads, and we see people, some of them pushing uh, grocery carts, and some of them there. Everything they, they have is stuck in a bag in a grocery cart. And some of them, every nickel they can scrape up, they want to go buy drugs. And, 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 and more horrible things than that, stories that them just in, in, not even imaginable that we can think about that's going on in people's lives today. But the time of trouble is the great classroom. And Jonah got down there at the, at the depths of the deep ocean. You can imagine the pressure. You can imagine stuck up inside that whale, well. And you can imagine all the stink and the acid and all the things going on in there. And I want to tell you, I would have done the best to have committed suicide inside that well uh, because I'm claustrophobic and I couldn't stand all that. And if you want to know what, what hell is like, he said, Out of the belly of hell, cried I. But what brought him to that? He was running from God. And the trouble that God sent his way because God had a plan for his life. God sees the passions of the flesh before they would ruin us. God sees the passions of the flesh before they would ruin us. And we often start well, and then we turn south. We begin thinking that we're making it happen. And that our life is just about us. And so we see here with the Apostle Paul, here he is. And he prays three times to God that whatever this thorn in the flesh was, it was something that bothered him. And he prayed three times. And that stressful, whatever it was with him, that he prayed three times about, God said, I sent that there for a reason. And the reason is, almost and I, hard to imagine that the Apostle Paul would be one that would be prideful, that could be lifted up, in, uh, up into self-glory, but that's why God gave it to him. That's one of the worst sins that there is for a Christian, is the sin of pride, thinking that we're something, thinking that we're important. And so God sent this, on, uh, sent this to him, and he discovered this, this time of trouble became his classroom. And he says in verse 7, he says, lest I should be exalted Above measure. And can I share with you today that's the biggest enemy you can have? And yourself. I know this is not easy to get on a Wednesday night, but it's to think highly of yourself. You know, Satan, somewhere along the line, began to think that, and then he became that. And then he became Satan, who he is, which hell was made for him and his angels. So the time of of, of trouble is the great classroom that we we learn from. Paul in verse 6 says, For though I would desire to glory. And here's what God wants us to do. As Christians, we supply the weakness and God supplies the strength. That could be the greatest experience of your lifetime. To get this and to get it early. It took me a long time to get it and I still don't got it. But I understand that when trouble comes, there's always a lesson, always a lesson. And it's not always something that that is hard on the outside. It can be hard on the inside. You know, trying to understand who we are in Christ and what God has for us, and we we, we see everything that's going on in Christian community and the churches and stuff like that, and we're trying to fit in somewhere, and sometimes uh, we're troubled about this and troubled about that, and young people are troubled about this and troubled about that, and they're trying to fit in. And oftentimes, God will use a time of trouble to teach us and to show us. And, and mom and dad, you're on this too because you're part of the program. So first, I notice this with my life. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Trouble has been my classroom. This trouble was Paul's classroom. Second thing I want you to notice is about God. That God wants to save us from ourselves. God wants to save us from ourselves. God wants to reveal what we're unaware of. I used to think I was real smart, not in school, of course. Uh, but after I got out of school and, and, and got a job, uh, several jobs, you know, in the worked in the shipyard a while and different things like that started at age 18 and by the time I was 21 I was a building superintendent building projects and you know the, the the bad thing about being young is that that pride that enters in especially when you get a job that people look to you and and you want people to think that you know everything. Can anybody amen that? You want people to think that you know everything. Working people 40 and 50 years old and being 21 years old and You know, I had a bad problem about not asking someone. well, how do you do this? And how do you? I was going to figure it out myself. I was going to take my blueprints. I was going to take my spec book. And uh, back then, they didn't have the internet. So I had to learn things the old-fashioned way, go to the library and get a book, right? And then all that math that I ratted off on when I was in high school, I said, boy, I wish I had listened to some of that about the Pythagorean theorem and all this other stuff. And so God wants to save us from ourselves. He wants to reveal what we're unaware of. Now, I'll say this to you. Here's the Apostle Paul, and I'd put him up against anybody. He was unaware of what was going on. He was unaware of what was going on in his heart. And sometimes, and you don't have to be, uh, I, sometimes I mention young people a lot because we worked with young people for over 30 years. We don't know everything, but I was a young people one time, right? I like what Vance Habner said, people are so just this way and that way. It's kind of like young people were just invented. They weren't. There's always been young people, right? uh, But there's always been older people to instruct the younger people. Now you got this thing going on here. It's kind of like trying to pick up a hot potato. You know, the old folks don't know what to do. Mom and dad don't know what to do. And so sometimes they ask the young people, what do you think we ought to do, right? And that's just what they want to hear. I gave you that for free, by the way. It just floated by. So God wants to save us from ourselves, reveal what we're unaware of. Paul was unaware of this. So he praised to God three times. And this was something that bothered him. Anybody got anything bothering them tonight? If you're not bothered, you got a problem, right? (laughs) There's enough to be bothered to go around for everybody here tonight. God will bring it to the surface. If you'll listen to God and have a sensitivity to God. Paul obviously did, right? But wait a minute, he prayed three times, didn't he? Did he pray in the morning and then pray at lunch and pray that night and then expect God to answer the prayer the next morning? No, it was probably over a period of time. Whatever, you know, it's thought to be some type of a physical ailment. It doesn't really matter what it was. It was a problem, right? It was trouble. We know, and we know it was from the devil, right? The messenger of Satan, right? You know the messenger of Satan still, run, still works? Mom and dad? You know the devil plays for keeps and he doesn't take any prisoners? Hello? We'll mash the brake when we see an animal run down the road. The devil doesn't do that. When he, in his plan and his design, he wants to go all the way to the extreme and take you all the way to the extreme as far as he is he can, is he will, will be let go by you and anybody else. Amen. This is who we're dealing with, and so God wants us to know. God wants us to know, and 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 Paul got his answer. God wants to save us from ourselves, reveal what we are unaware of. And again, you get to that thing where you know everything, right? That makes you even worse unaware about what you really need. Now, here's the neat thing. God knows what we need, right? I I may not look like much, but God made me, right? I heard a preacher say one time, God don't make no trash. (laughs) And he don't, does he? God knows what I, he made me, he knows my thumbprint, my cornea, he knows all of that stuff, everything that's in me, he made it, right? He, and, and he did all that, and he knew me, and he knew what my name was going to be, he knew my mom and dad, and he knew all that before the foundation of the world. So we think we're smart? God knows everything, like you haven't heard that before. So God wants to save, save us from ourselves, reveal What we are unaware of, and He wants to bring that to service, to the service. And God wants us to know that. Now, there's many ways God can do that, right? God has a lot at His disposal. Here with the Apostle Paul, as we've already mentioned, we've already read that God allowed Satan to buffet him with his thorn in the flesh. God often, through some type of outward or inward disturbance, you know if. If you're really after God's heart like David was, your life's not going to be a basket full of roses. Have you figured that out? There's the lion and the bear. My wife's, my wife's brother, I don't know how he fell into this. I told Brother Jeremiah, he's an Alaska bear hunt, Brother Matthews. I'm not talking about black bears, grizzly bears eighteen hundred pounds and somebody else is paying for it. <laughs> there's uh often through some type of outward or entered service i can just picture him running down the side of a mountain with a grizzly bear chasing him <laughs> that'd be trouble right so there's a lot of ways that god can do this and often through and i'm I'm hitting this, hitting this several times through some type of outward or inward disturbance. You know, just because everybody's smiling and we smile at one another, it's polite to smile the amount, I? I, I was about 45 years old before I learned how to smile. The, the serious face that I was born with did me so much good and got me so far in my life for so long. And I realized, you know, look at all these pictures of my kids. I, said, I never smile. It wasn't on purpose. I mean, I was smiling inside. But here's my point. Just because we're smiling doesn't mean we don't have troubles. Right? I raised three kids. We've got ten grandkids. We're helping raise them. We we raised other people's kids. And sometimes it's turned out good, sometimes it hasn't turned turned out good. But but often through some type of outward or inward disturbance, God is working to show us something we don't know. Isn't that neat? You know, John says the Holy Spirit of God, the Comforter, will show us things to come. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be good to know some trouble ahead before we get there, right? And we would not have to be just some kind of a bumpkin just bumping along through life, just, you know, licking all the lollipops and not worried about the traps that are out there. Well, God wants to show that to us. And God, things that we're not aware of, this, that, that, that life is always not a basket of roses. If I wrote down several names of, of adults and, and not just young adults, but older adults and teenagers that, that I could write you a list down here tonight and I could call out some names. I wouldn't do that. Of some, of some folks that, that are just really, they got some trouble. And much of their trouble is because they didn't pay attention to what God was trying to show them earlier. When you get about 40 years on you, you'll have a portfolio of people's lives that you can see that happen and repeat it over and over and over. So God wants to save us from ourselves. And he wants us to know. He wants us to show us. What he showed the Apostle Paul, I would describe it as a, as a shot across the bow. Remember the old pirate movies? I don't, and I know they did this in real life too, our Navy. In, in, in certain situations, you know, if you wanted to give somebody a warning, fire a shot over their bow. Wouldn't that be fun? Fire a shot. We we got to shoot some 22 rifles at, at man camp, and they had targets up there. You imagine trying to get 30 some boys through there, and they got everyone got to shoot a little bit. And it, it's always it's always fun doing something like that. But the Apostles Paul's experience here with his thorn in the flesh, God-given warning here, was like a shot across the bow like a shot across the bow, just a warning. Didn't blow up anything, just wants to know, hey, listen, there's something coming your way, and it goes boom, and it can hurt. Now, John that I mentioned earlier, his was worse than a shipwreck, wasn't it? Shot across the bow, wouldn't work with him. He was already running from God. Now, he knew enough about what God wanted him to do. And by the way, he was a preacher. He just didn't want to go minister to the people that God wanted him to minister to. You know, there's, there's some of that in me. You know, I would just imagine there's some of that in some of y'all in here tonight. That God's made clear his plan, but we're just not really excited about his plan. There's probably even some here that's done bought a ticket to Tarsus. Right? You got to know a little bit about the story tonight to pick up on what a ticket to Tarsus is. Some of you may be all the way down the bottom of the boat asleep. So when God sends the storm, God gave the command. He refused the command. He says, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to take a powder and go the way I want to go. So God sent a storm and began to rock the boat. And finally, they found out, Jonah, hey, God's going to sink this boat if we don't throw you overboard. And he says, throw me overboard. But God wouldn't let him drown, God prepared a fish. I think there's a lot of tough things for people that just keep saying no to God, that are God's people. You better be careful when you get saved. You're not your own anymore. Hello, you better ask God. Is God is this okay? I mentioned this last time I preached, and I mentioned and I told I mentioned to the boys at Man Camp. I said, "How many boys? Uh, one day when we get on to get married, find the woman that God made just for you, just like last year." Every hand went up. Man, ain't that exciting, boy? God making somebody just for me. And then I told him, I said. How many of you, when you get married, you want to stay married to that woman your whole life? Every hand goes, you say, saying, some of you saying, that's just dumb kids. No, that's smart kids. And then I told the boys, I said, you know what? God's making you specially for somebody. If you'll wait on that somebody, that somebody can wait on you. So here's Jonah. He passed on God's plan. A preacher. Can you imagine a preacher? So Paul's was like a shot across the bow of the thorn in the flesh. It was real. Jonah's was worse than a shipwreck. But out of the belly of hell cried I. There's some things in life worse than death. Worse than death. Before I actually surrendered to preach, I was in the jail ministry. And we went up to the old unit at Parchman, the old unit 29. I think they changed it to unit 32, and that was the maximum security prisoners. They would never get out. They had a wall built, had cells on this side, and cells on this side, and had a concrete wall all the way down the middle. They couldn't see one another, but they had a way of, of tying things together and passing them down from cell. You know, you know man will find a way, right, to, to get messages down the other way. And some of the stories of some of those guys in there, they, had never, they would never get out of there. And the life that they had to live every day. And they never get out. You know, that's a cakewalk to some of the things that happen to people today. They're not in a physical prison, but they're they're in a human prison of their own body. By their own design. Because they refuse God. And some of these messages that God tries to send our way. That God wants to save us from ourselves. There was a, uh, a young man that I know, and I'll give this to you, and I'll get to the last part. I know this man personally. He worked for me for a time. We hauled all of his kids at one time or another to our church on the bus, and uh, he's in a wheelchair now. He would like to not be in a wheelchair, but he's in a wheelchair now. And if you meet him today, he'll tell you that what got him in the wheelchair, he was glad it happened to him. You mean somebody's glad that he's in a wheelchair? Yeah. You see, if the trouble that he had had not happened and he wound up in a wheelchair, he would still be doing what he was doing. He was a happy, self-seeking rebel. Rebel. He was cool. 90 miles an hour on a motorcycle, that's cool, isn't it? I used to have a motorcycle, and I never went 90 miles an hour. It was a dirt bike. And uh, I thought it was cool just the air going in your face, going down the gravel roads in Carson, Mississippi at 45, <laughs> and try to, try to keep it from hitting the ditch with all the gravel. He was a happy, self-seeking Rebel you know, I'll tell you today, I'm glad this happened to me. Trouble. 90 miles an hour, going down Highway 84. Pickup truck pulls out in front of him. Pickup truck didn't see the motorcycle. He hits the side door with his head. We get the phone call and we're at Forest General Hospital. Not expected to live. Then he makes it, but he's in a coma. He'll never walk again. He comes through. And through God's grace and God using doctors and a will that he had to live, he was broken. He became a vessel of honor for God. Everybody he sees it he tells about Jesus. If you have the time, He'll tell you who He he used to be and what He was and what put Him in that wheelchair. I'm saying to you tonight that God wants to save us from ourselves. He wants to reveal what we're unaware of. But here's the deal, what we need to do. We need to learn to ask God. Third thing is we need to learn to ask God. God, why is this happening to me? God, what's going on? I've sat right here in this church, and I've heard things from this pulpit that would, 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 would stir my heart in a way that, that my heart was troubled because, I, God, why is my heart stirred the wrong? What is going on, God? Inward trouble. So I'd ask God. I said, is it this man right here? God says, well, what do you know about the Bible? So all the verses of the subject that's going on in my mind would be assimilated into a pile there, and I'd come down to one spot. And You want to find out? I found out God was trying to show me something I wasn't aware of. I had something going on in here that didn't need to go on in here. (laughs) You know what I had to do? I had to quit being the tough guy and be the weak guy. Let God be the strong guy. And God began to do things, and, and, and God will do this for you in many ways. So we've got, we got to ask God. Paul says in verse, verse 8, he, he tells this story. All this has already happened. He says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. You see, Paul is asking God. Jonah is running from God. Now, whose life would you like to have tonight? I'd like to have Paul's life. God, what's going on? But see, the interesting thing about this, if you're not a child of God tonight, you don't have the equipment to ask God what's going on. God's just trying to get you to an altar, to a preacher, get you to the point. To get saved. Become a child of God. And if you're saved here tonight. And we often take for granted. Everybody is. That, but it's the same thing. We must learn to ask God. He asked God. Again, Paul is asking and Jonah is running. There's a difference here. Do you see the difference? That friend of mine in the wheelchair. He thought it was real cool to go 90 miles an hour on a motorcycle without a helmet. He thought it was real cool not to take his kids to church. We picked them up on a bus. But Jeremiah picked up some of them years ago. He thought that was neat to do things his way instead of God's way. And God sent him message after message after message after message. And then finally, because he was running like Jonah. And finally, the last message worked. That boy's a different man today. A different man today. So Paul is asking, and Jonah's running. We, we've got to ask God. We've got to learn to ask God. Paul quickly got his answer. He said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Wow. God's got to send a message by way of the devil. But you see here, God's purpose is to reveal what we need to please Him. Brother Jeremiah, I heard him mention this story one time behind the pulpit. I, I, th- I think I heard him mention this one. And it was about a man that we went to see in the VA down in Gulfport. Here this man was, he lived his whole life for himself. He'd smoked. Uh, he was diabetic. And he'd got down to where they'd just taken off his second leg. And I was there in the ICU with him. And, and as I'm prone to do, I'll ask people, so, What do you want to pray for? What do you want to pray about? You know what his prayer was? His prayer was that he could get better and serve God. You can serve God in a wheelchair. That young man I told you about, serving God everywhere he goes, tells people about Jesus. But God's purpose for that man that said he'd been saved a long time. But he used his life for himself. He didn't lose his life for Christ. He couldn't get weak. So this subject tonight that, that Paul, that Jesus shared with Paul, that when you're weak, you're strong. The greatest thing that we'll ever do as a Christian is to become weak in the flesh so God's strength can be poured into our life and we can honor God and be a blessing. Paul was asking, Jonah's running. Paul quickly got his answer. God's purpose is to reveal what we need. Now, the end of the story, as far as we know, Paul always had that thorn in the flesh. He died with it. 2 Timothy chapter 4. He finished, didn't he? He thanked the Lord here for that thorn in the flesh. So as far as we know, Paul lived with that thorn in the flesh until the end and these thorns and these troubles that we have, whether it's something outward that happens on the outside or something inward on the inside, thorns are a constant reminder of our weakness and God's power. And the only way we'll see God's power is if we, are, we become weak as a person. That doesn't mean that we don't stand for anything. But you know what it means? It means that we want our glory in heaven not here that we get to where we we don't really care about this world and the things that are popular in this world what money will buy right and all that stuff but we want to be weak and this is the message Jesus gave me it says my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness and that word perfect means complete so I am about you tonight, but I'm going to tell you what I'm fighting. I'm fighting that what's inside of me that thinks I'm somebody. And that wants to be somebody. And sometimes through trouble, God will have to get over some of that. And then you'll find out that life really is great. When God's behind the controls. And they were really nothing. You know, we talk about people being, um, getting offended and all this stuff. We live in one of the most offendable worlds (laughs) of my lifetime. But you know what that means? It means that you're just about unoffendable, right? You ever watch a little kid lip poke out? And you husbands out there, my wife knows my look. I mean, I've learned not to poke my lip out. I, I don't have much of a lip. But, but my wife can tell you just about what's going on when she just looks at my countenance. And that being weak means that, 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 that we've trusted God and we've got to this point. And you know what? I'm not going to let you offend me. I'm going to be weak. And there's a whole lot of stuff that goes to that. But if I had to take one thing that's helped me, a truth, again, it's that ladder I have to climb every day. It's that one right there. It's becoming weak that God can be strong in my life, that I am nothing. So we bow our heads. We stand to